I'm Rick Ralph and thanks for joining me, talking garbology, waste and recycling unwrapped. As an industry professional with more than 40 years experience, both internationally and in Australia, my podcast series provides listeners an insight to and conversations with a number of key industry leaders, subject professionals, knowledge experts on a wide range of topics waste and recycling related. Wherever you may be listening, I trust you find my program informative as we explore and unbundle the complex yet interesting subjects of waste management, secondary resource recovery, recycling, and all their endeavours. Continuing with our podcast programs in respect to organics, I thought it was worthwhile having a chat again with Mark Rayner, uh, the horticulturist and production manager at Rocky Point Soil Improvers, to just explore soil improvers and the media that we use in, and why we actually have soil improvers. In my previous podcast with Mark, we talked about potting mixes and the necessity having good quality potting mixes and what you actually do them. So don't, no point in buying a $12 plant and putting a $2 potting mix with it because of the uh, uh, different additives and the important nutrients that the more high quality have. Soil improvers, welcome, Mark. Soil improvers, what are they? Soil improvers are there to obviously help improve your soil. So if you have um, a tired soil is what we're doing, the soil improver we do, they're basically compost-based uh, green organics uh, with um, sometimes manure blends through them. So we'll put cow manure or chicken manure or that through them. But basically what they're doing is uh, they're actually putting carbon and microbes back into the soil. So we're trying to restore the soil health. Um, we're putting the organics back. So getting the microbes back into the soil, which will help release nutrients and ease the nutrient uptake from the crops. So starting with actual soils in Australia, we, we read quite often about we have some of the poorest carbon content in the actual soil media, typically because of the natives that we actually grow. Is that true? Is, is the soils in Australia sort of nutrient poor? Uh, yeah, pretty much. It's um, you know, very light on nutrient-wise. Uh, obviously, the East Coast is better than the further you go inland, the worse it gets. But, um, you know, we're trying to, you know, help this. I think we mentioned this last one. There's a 10-year CRC uh, Australia-wide into soil health and how to improve it. Mm. So organics is probably the best way to to help improve the soil. Delivering it is uh, into the soil is probably the hard part. So if we've got um, soils in Queensland, subtropical environment and a tropical environment further north, and then we go down to the... The southern states, is there a difference in the actual soil uh, media based on our demographics, the demography? Yeah, there is. I mean, even, you know, here we're sitting sort of, you know, on the Queensland uh, east coast uh, where we have sandy soils. Mm. Then we go not far inland and you've got red clay soils. So it varies um, greatly uh, across the, uh, the continent. So if we start with the actual soil improver, Soil media. What is a soil improvement soil media? Are there different types of soil? Do we make different types? When we explored the, the composting process, we took the green waste, we broke that down, and we then uh, produced a media which we put our plants into, which provide the nutrient uptake to the plant. What does, what's the difference between a soil improver and a compost mix, for instance? Yeah, well, basically the soil improvers are made from or they are compost 
Normally, if we're working with a farmer, the best thing we can do is we can get their soil analysis. So we have our compost analysed as well, which gives us uh, carbon content. Um, we also test for microbial life in our compost, the different uh, types we do, which is like a straight organic, then we do manure blends. They will have a higher um, microbial content in them. So basically what we do is we're getting that, that analysis from the farmer so we know what he's starting with. And with our own farm here is we have poor soil, so um, we're getting the pH. We have a low pH pH? What's pH? pH is um, is a range from 0 to 14, 7 being neutral. Anything under 7, you are saying your soil's uh, acidic uh, or sour. And then anything over 7, it is alkaline or what they call sweet. So we're trying to, uh, for most uh, plants... In soils, the best pH range is around six to seven, um, and or six to you know seven and a half. So that's the equivalent of one teaspoon of sugar, as opposed to just to sweeten it up. Yeah, it? that's it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, different crops have um, you know different pH needs. So when you have that, the pH will also um, once you get that pH right, say it's between six and seven is it allows the plants to access more nutrients so they will take up more nutrient. If it's too high or too low, then they won't take up as much nutrient. So getting the pH right uh, allows the plants to uh, take up as much nutrient as possible. Do we lose the um, value of the soil improvement? Do we have to constantly add the, the, the keep the soil at that range by adding material or will it sort of settle down and stay there? Yeah, look, if you're starting from scratch, um, if you've been uh, using chemicals on your farm for, and you haven't been putting the organics back in, so you've lost your organic content, then yes, you will have to probably every year to start with for the first three years is apply your organics. And then, you know, it's constantly working with it as taking samples, getting your carbon content, you know, your pH will come up. Most soils in Australia are acidic. So... Once you do start to restore the soil, is then you can drop it back to, you know, every two years, but it's just monitoring it. And I've got a new house. I've just built the house and the, the, brick, the bricks have all been cleaned up and all the concrete dust has all been cleaned up, et cetera, and I want to plant, I want to actually develop it, plan out a garden and plant a garden. What would be the first lesson there with soil improvement then in the process for a new homeowner, for instance? Well, depending on what your house is sitting on if you are you do have a say a sandy loam soil you're not going to um, need too much but if you're on shale for instance is you might want to import some soil so we do a lot of that we do two types of soils uh, landscape soils and which is for general gardens and then we do soils for you know vegetables herbs fruit trees that sort of thing so depending on what your soil is is you may decide it's good enough that you can you might need some organics um, if it's a clay based you might need some gypsum to and some organics to help break it up gypsum that's an interesting one because I was told by uh, uh, someone years ago well my father actually was t told me this gentleman who's a, a plant grower in Victoria about sweetening the soil with gypsum and, and before you actually get before you do anything, but throw the gypsum down, let it sit there for a couple of weeks and let it break up. What does gypsum do? Yeah, well, Jill's gypsum is, they actually call it a clay breaker as well. Um, so that will help if you do have a clay soil 
it's over time. It's it's helping to loosen that clay up. So right. and um, which will help. You know, clay soils can be they'll hold a lot of water in um, in, in the rainy season, mm-hmm. and you can get root rot or. In um, the dry periods is they can dry and crack. So it's trying to get that more um, even texture with the gypsum. A lot of people will use, we actually do for some farms is who have very acidic soil is we'll add a dolomite or a lime. So where you have a high dolomite and lime, it's got a pH around nine, nine and a half. So if we do want to bring that uh, pH up even further is we will uh, add that to it. They do... Even in, um, like, say, the construction of a, an estate, one recent one here was Emerald Lakes. So that soil was all swampland, so it was acid sulphate. Very, very acidic. That's right. So they actually dug, they created a canal system and uh, what they dug out, they preloaded and mixed with tonnes and tonnes of uh, lime and preloaded it for two years to get that pH right before they... Um, before they started building on it. Oh, wow. So that rather than just having it to push the water table down, they also did that to actually improve the soil they could use around oh, the place. yeah, yeah. And acid sulphate soil uh, can eat, eat into your concrete, into your steel. Not a good look at a housing Not estate. A good, no, that's right, no. <laughs> I, I guess if we start at the beginning, um, soil, uh, soil improver, we've composted, we've got the composting process and we've, take, and we've taken the various streams off into a potty mix. So what... what how do we actually determine the type of soil improver that we actually want to make and what, what we actually bag versus what we actually put onto the ground? Well, the soil improver that we're doing is, like I said, there's two varieties, two or basically two. We do a, you know, customised a lot, yeah. but distinctly two, which is um, straight organics. And that is really good, giving you good carbon and microbial activity back in your soil. But it's also good water holding capacity as well with that. So you'll retain the nutrients when you do have a lot of rain. You know, you don't get as much runoff. Um, I think we discussed last time with what they're doing up at the Burdekin mm-hmm. with the Barrier Reef is they're using cutting back fertilisers and using compost soil improvers to um, on the on the sugarcane and that there to stop runoff because it does have good water holding capacity. The manure blends we do, they are more for crop specific because you're getting that nutrient in there as well and it does boost the microbial activity in there. But depending on what you're growing, it does lift the phosphorus content. So for people who are doing phosphorus-sensitive plants, it's the straight compost. So what's a phosphorus-sensitive plant? Australian natives. So not all Australian natives. You know, there's a small percentage which are um, sensitive to phosphorus, but when we say they're sensitive, it just means they've actually got a good ability to actually um, uptake phosphorus, Australian soils being that poor, is that the Australian natives have become very good at uptaking uptaking that. So too much phosphorus, they take up too much, and it's toxic to them. Okay, because the phosphorus actually helps with the structure, doesn't it? it helps with the flowering, yeah, the, the fruiting. Yeah, look, you know, to like simplistically, is nitrogen, you know, is your growth, uh, potassium for flowering and fruits, and uh, phosphorus for the root system. Okay. That's very simplistic put, but basically, that's what your MPK or nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium is doing. Right. So you would obviously for the grasses, you want a high nitrogen content versus um, the potassium. For instance, because of the flowering, you don't want a lot of seeding a lot of time. 
Yeah, that's right. So they um, most chemical fertilisers for turfs lawns are yeah. high in nitrogen. We spoke last time also about the quality inputs and uh, the challenge the organic sector has with plastics. Um, I guess that that cascades across the soil improvers too. If we don't have the right input coming into the thing, then we can only produce a certain quality. I noticed uh, the the quality here, you, you're not actually playing with soils, you're manufacturing soils here, aren't you? You're, so you're actually controlling that quality aspect right at the very beginning. You're not actually bringing in, you're using your, the, the back end material that's not in the, the potty mixes to actually blend to your soils, but you're actually manufacturing a soil improver, aren't you? Yes, we're manufacturing um, soil improvers and we manufacture soils. We actually do not have or bring any soil whatsoever on this site. So that's a bit of a misnomer. Wow, that's interesting. Is, uh, yeah, what's, you know, for the soils we create, whether it's for landscape or veggie herb, is there's no soil in them. So basically... Sorry, there's, for the veggies, there's no soil in the, in the uh, stream. As people know, soil, yeah. like topsoil in your front yard, yes. is there isn't, we use no soil whatsoever. Fascinating. So how do you manufacture a soil improver? Well, a soil improver is basically compost or compost and manures, but for soils is we're using different products. So we'll use most of our soils are uh, compost-based and most of them are certified organic as well and Australian standard. But we're using ingredients, uh, All, like I said, all soils are organic-based, but we're using um, sand, so we use a sandy loam. But that's normally mined or from, fortunately here we have them down the road. Or if we do have, um, in the case of say a big dig out where they're putting a high rise in is that we actually will only take the sand, we get a good sand. Once they've got past the first three metres down, then we can take the sand because we know it's free of uh, weed seeds. So weed seeds could go down a couple of metres. Yeah, well, some you look at nutgrasses and that sort of thing is that they can go down a fair way, so yeah. we wait till they've gone down far enough. Manures that you put into it, um, I'm intrigued that uh, you, um, horse manure, people say you can't use fresh horse manure, you've got to let it age, then they say you can't use chicken manure, you've got to let it age, and manures obviously are not manures, uh, different animals, different digestive systems, etc. What are the different manures? What's the difference between, say, a chook manure in, in your material versus a horse manure versus cow, those three streams? Yeah, well, for us, we don't use horse. Um, Why is that? Because of the weeds or seeds? Uh, just really for availability, you know, and it's, you know, any manure, like any manures we put into our compost, um, we put them in at the start. So obviously if you're using manures from a feedlot from the cattle or from, uh, you know, the chicken sheds is most animals, even humans, will have a coli in their gut, so it's in the manures. So we put the manures in at the start and the composting process, obviously we're getting up to, um, you know, over like 70 degrees Celsius. So that kills off. So any bacteria, E. coli, fecal coliforms, Salmonella, listeria, those sort of things, they're all being killed off in that composting process. But, you know, for us, for, well, for me personally, is uh, using manures, is cow manure is probably the best. That's just my opinion. But 
Um, Why is that? It's not as high in phosphorus as chicken manure. Right. So it's not going to burn. Yeah, that's right. So we use, uh, and most of our farmers take the the cow manure compost that we do. What about sheep manure? Is that in sheep too far west? You know, being on the coast, (laughs) being on the coast is yeah. Sheep don't like wet feet, so (laughs) (laughs) they're smart, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So all the sheep farms are too. Then you come into freight again, so. But, yeah, look, sheep manure is another one you can use. And, look, it depends on where you live and the availability of what you have is what you use. We've got the soil improvers and we've put the material in. Um, should we do a different soil improver for veggies versus a just a general garden if I'm going to just do my general layout in the subtropics with some heliconias and some gingers and stuff? Yeah, look, uh, Rocky Point, we do a, like in a bag, we do bulk We've probably spoken most about the bulk yeah. that we do to the farms. We yeah. do a bag, the Rocky Point Active Grow. And that is a very good soil improver. So if you've got a veggie garden, uh, normally we do here, we do it in bulk. We have, we actually design this specifically for veggies and herb. It's a high nutrient veggie and herb mix. Mm. But basically, if you run a crop of veggies uh, through your veggie garden, then they're sucking the nutrient out of the soil. So what you want to be doing is putting your soil improver is actually putting nutrient and putting... Back into it. Yeah, back into it. So it's, it's rejuvenating your soil for the next crop. Would you use soil improvers in, in pots and no. in hanging and hanging pot baskets and stuff? You wouldn't? No, no. Too much water holding capacity. Right. So you put it in a pot. You'll get root rot and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Okay. So by doing it, you're actually providing the soil holding capacity in the soil. You're improving the soil's water holding capacity as well. And you're getting, you know, it's not just a microbe, it's all the other. You're getting good worm activity through that and um, you're getting the hummus and all that through that. So it's, it's, it's really helping to just lift that tired soil. So it's, I guess for the listeners, we've, what we've clarified here is a very, very different. Potting mixes are for pots to allow that water to, to, drainage. To, to drainage, but also allow the nutrient uptake of the plant in the maximum ultimate period. Our soil improvers are to retain uh, water, but also to actually provide a, a, an environment for the roots to grow, for the plant to have the uptake of the nutrients, etc. So a very, very different sort of media in, in entirety. Completely different. Mulches, the different types of mulches. We have sugarcane mulch, we have lucerne mulch, we have pea straw mulch, we have barks. We have a whole range of things. What, I guess, the difference between lucerne and sugarcane mulch, for instance, as a mulching and as a general rule, about 50 mil thick across the garden, you hear uh, people or, or higher or lower? Yeah, look, I think mulches, there's, I look at them this way, there's decorative mm-hmm. and there's the nutritional value as well. They're both weed suppressants or they're all weed suppressants. That's what a lot of people use them for. But if you're looking to uh, improve your soil, um, the two best are sugarcane and lucerne. And again, that's my opinion. But mm. uh, for me, with my garden, if I'm, I try and do it only once a year. But uh, so when I'm putting the sugarcane mulch over my garden, I'm putting it 100 mil thick because wow. it does. It does. And the good thing about it is, well. If you don't want to be doing it twice here, that's why I do it under a mill. But it breaks down and uh, it breaks down a lot quicker. Say like you've got your decoratives, your tea yes. trees, your cypresses, your coloured, you know, there's a lot of coloured mulches out there now. Uh, we do some ourselves. But they're decorative. 
So the nutritional value, what they're going to add to your soil is very is very limited. Whereas sugarcane and lucerne really do add uh, and improve. I remember my mother and father, God bless them, used to always once a year before the roses, after they pruned the roses, they would just absolutely soak around the roses, the lucerne, and the blooms they used to get from roses with lucerne in in Victoria, different environment. Gee whiz, it worked. Yes, yeah, I think my grandma was the same, was horse manure and, um, you know, lucerne. Exactly right. So if we've got the soil, we've added the soil improver, when we put the soil improved, would we add any um, uh, organic uh, fertilisers with that if we're going to actually, before we do it? And would we, I guess, the, uh, a train of thought, would you do the soil improver, some uh, fertilisers, and then 100 mil of uh, mulch on top of that, do you think? Yeah, look, if you've got a, you're redoing your veggie garden is, um, you know, if you've had it there for a year and you really want to rejuvenate it is, you can get, uh, you know, the fertiliser pallets. Uh, so a lot of them are chicken manure based, yeah. but you know they will have fish, kelp, seaweed, um, mm-hmm. bone meal, meat meal, depending on the brand you buy. So yes, if you do have a tired garden, you want to rejuvenate it. Is you know throw some pallets on there, spread some pallets out, mix some uh, soil improver through it, and you know pretty much you, you're good to go. I mean if. You do want to, if you're worried about weeds, well, then, yes, you can put a small lot, not 100 mil thick, but you can put yeah. a layer of mulch over the top. Well, I hope to our listeners we've sort of provided a bit of clarity between the potting mixes and the soil improvers. Certainly it's opened my eyes up about the, the difference of it uh, and the mulch as well. I'm not sure about four inches thick of mulch. I think that's 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 a serious... <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty impressive in the process. Um, but You'd Mark, be surprised how quick it uh, breaks I down. I suppose it would break down because it probably would heat up a lot quicker, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, and look, if you're doing a tea tree or mm. a cypress, well, then, yeah, 50 mils more than enough, but, you know, that's going to last you 12 months. Your sugar cane and your lucerne break down a lot quicker than that. Mark, thanks for joining us, and I hope to our listeners we provide a little bit more clarity between soil improvers and potting mixers. And, uh, and for Rocky Point, thanks for hosting me to provide this uh, information. Much appreciated. Good to have you, Rick. Thanks, mate.